Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Kind Parenting Company podcast. I'm Jackie Ward. And I'm Kylie Camps. Join us as we explore topics and share evidence-based information, all while honoring our commitment to kind parenting practices. This is a safe space for conversation and reflections on parenting and motherhood, designed to best support you in raising your little loves and to be the parent you want to be. We are so excited that you're here. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Kind Parenting Company podcast. This week's episode is a solo chat where I'm going to be talking about raising resilient kids. The concept of resilience has become a bit of a buzz topic in recent years, especially when it comes to conversations around parenting. I think that's because resilience is really one of those things that everyone wants for their children. It doesn't matter what your parenting style is or where you live. It's kind of universal. In simplest terms, resilience refers to our ability to bounce back after we've experienced a setback or um, adversity in some form. People who are resilient are able to cope with challenges and work their way through problems that they come up against in an effective way. So naturally, it's linked to um, a whole host of positive outcomes in life. We've all heard stories of inspiring people who've faced adversity but have been able to grow through the experience and somehow come out the other side of it almost in like an evolved state. And yet countless others haven't had the same outcome and instead go on to really suffer or are unable to recover. The good news is that resilience is something that can be learned and can be developed in individuals. This is good news, of course, because it means that it's not a case that you're either born resilient or you're not. Um, And instead, what the research shows is that resilience is really a cluster of skills that we can be taught and that we can develop throughout life. Even from a really young age, um, we can be modeling and teaching the skills to our children when they're at that young age, almost um, planting the seeds, I suppose, for resilience. Today I'm going to talk through three things that we as parents or caregivers or educators can be doing or reflecting on in our parenting that will help our kids to build resilience. Before I go into talking about these though, first I just wanted to mention the fact that there will always be factors that we can't change, that no amount of skill building or learning are really going to be able to shift. So what I'm talking about here are individual differences that we all have in things like temperament, in context or environment, and in the unplanned or unexpected life experiences that we face. So for example, a child is not able to influence the family that they're born into or the home that they grow up in, um, or even many of the encounters that they're going to have in life. 
by and large, another thing that is is very much fixed to from birth is our temperament. It's something that we are born with. So our level of reactivity or our level of sociability or self-regulation, these are all parts of our temperament and our children's temperaments too, and they're all going to play a part in how we cope with adversity and our overall resilience. With that said, though, there are definitely things that we can be doing and teaching our children to build their resilience. So let's jump into looking at what these might be. The first area that I was keen to chat about is actually a socio-cultural trend that's impacting families in Western cultures, and that is the rise of what the research calls overparenting. So you might have also heard it referred to as helicopter parenting. It's called this because it refers to parents who have the tendency to hover around, you know, like a helicopter would, and have almost a hyper-involvement in their child's life. So that could look like um, very closely monitoring all of their child's experiences and challenges and sort of swooping in at the first point of any difficulty to, to save their child or what they perceive as being saving their child. Um, It's most common to see this sort of side of helicopter parenting within a school setting where parents might become very involved with their child's schoolwork and educational attainment, um, even to the point that they are completing homework or assignments for them um, with a view to generally it comes from a place of wanting to really help their children but ends up sort of crossing that line and, and moving into Overparenting territory. Another area where we might see helicopter parents, um, or it's common to, is in social settings. So, p- where parents might be attempting to micromanage their children's friendships or relationships. They may be um, choosing, you know, what they feel to be suitable friends for their children or, you know, really encouraging them to pursue certain friendship groups. And this definitely also falls under this, this banner or this heading of um, overparenting. So by and large, helicopter parents, they come from a good place. They want what's best for their children. Um, they don't want to see their kids struggle. And most of their actions are fueled by, by one of two things, and that's either love or fear. So the fear is that their child will struggle or will fall off the path in some way without their really close parental involvement. It's interesting, I think, to look at this trend towards overparenting because it's actually a reflection of um, a broader sociocultural trend that's been evolving perhaps over the last, I'd say, probably 40 to 50 years. It's interesting because what many people would deem to be responsible parenting now, back then, back 50 years ago, would have been considered paranoid or smothering parenting. You know, in the last 50 years, we need to recognise, though, that the world has changed a lot and there's been a lot of global events and a lot of advances, I suppose, in in modern societies and changes to the way that families operate and are structured. Um, And so these are all big driving forces that are, you know, contributing to this overparenting trend. I guess overall we could say that it's driven by the fact that many people would agree that our modern world feels a lot less safe for our children these days. And so there's this perceived need to be, you know, 
hovering <laughs> like a helicopter closer to them to ensure that they are safe and, um, you know, uh, looked after and, yeah, for their overall well-being. If we look back here in Australian culture, um, I guess at, you know, the 1970s or 1980s even, children typically at that time had a lot more independence and a lot more responsibility than children do now. So it wasn't uncommon for kids back then to be um, running errands independently for their family. Nowadays, many parents wouldn't dream of doing that because of, you know, concerns for their children's safety. I actually remember once being in a uni lecture um, where we were looking at this exact sort of topic and we read this study that was really interesting because it had tracked children's movements and their lives and compared them um, sort of now and then. I think it was over about a 30-year period. And so what they actually found was that for the average child living in suburbia, so an, an average you know, childhood living um, in the suburbs, the area that 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 children lived and played in on any normal day was significantly smaller today than what it was 30 years ago. So what I mean by that, I can't remember the exact figures, but it was something along the lines of, say, 30 years ago, if you, you know, put a little pedometer or a tracker on a child, they would have been able to roam and play within, say, a five-kilometre radius of their home. You know, perhaps they would walk and visit a friend who lived a few streets away to play or they were trusted to to walk down to the local shop where they could, you know, hang out with friends. Um, whereas now when they compared it to children of the same age, I think um, the statistics were something along the lines of well, much, much smaller. So children today typically only played and socialised within a 100-metre radius of their own front or backyard. And I think that that's a really clear example because it shows that the the increased, I suppose, parental anxiety for children's safety is having this direct impact on the way that our kids are living their life. And so naturally with that, there's going to be implications for things like our children's resilience. Now, the point of all of this, though, <laughs> is that even if it's really well-intentioned, overparenting is actually not helpful if we're looking to raise resilient children. And the reason for that is, is that it robs kids of their ability to develop coping skills or to develop confidence in themselves and their ability to negotiate challenges. The flow-on effect from that is that it can lead to low self-esteem and also exacerbate anxiety in children as well. So we really need to be conscious of this tendency uh, or this common trend, I suppose, these days to overparent. Maybe that's relevant to you and your family. Maybe it's not. Maybe you're, you know, have a much more free range approach to parenting, or you live in a in a culture or an area where there's a lot more flexibility for you. But I'm just sort of suggesting, well, I'm sharing the research and um, this, this cultural trend that's come about just so that we can reflect on it, pull back a little bit um, and, you know, perhaps question if this is something that we are perhaps falling into. It's really, really important that we allow our kids the space and also the grace to struggle a little bit. Now, I'm not, of course, suggesting that we should just let kids fend for themselves um, or that we shouldn't be available to support them if they are having a hard time. But I suppose it's a matter of assessing the situation, assessing the context and allowing them the chance to work through difficult things 
you know, resisting our urge to swoop in and save them um, so that they actually have the opportunity to develop coping skills and then as a result, develop resilience. The second point that um, is really related, I think, to building resilience, I'm going to discuss that now, is actually far more practical and concrete. So that last one was more just a something to be aware of, something to reflect on and perhaps think a little bit how it plays out in your family. This second little topic or point, I suppose, is much, much more concrete um, in terms of it being something that you can actually proactively implement in your home. And what I'm talking about is this concept of growth mindset. So just like resilience has become a bit buzzy, um, it's probably likely I'd say that if you're listening to this podcast um, and you're interested in this area, that you've heard the term growth mindset. But just in case it's new or perhaps you're not familiar with it, I'll just explain a little bit about what this means and then I'll chat about how and how we can implement it and why it's so important if we're looking to raise resilient kids. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. So I think to understand growth mindset, it's really valuable or useful to first understand its opposite, which is um, something termed fixed mindset. So people with a fixed mindset, they assume that things like talent or um, intelligence and, and other abilities are fixed. So basically everyone is born with a certain amount of whatever it is, say intelligence, and you're born with it and that's that. So where this becomes really tricky, though, for people is that while they might believe that their intelligence is fixed, we can never truly be sure at what level. And so many people with this belief, they become sort of preoccupied because everything that they do and every challenge that they face or hurdle can, you know, in their mind sort of prove how smart or what level of intelligence they have to go with that example. And so there's always this need to be um, you know, right, I suppose, or to be proving yourself because um, it's viewed that 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 is a set point in inside of you that isn't likely to change. Now, the opposite of fixed mindset is growth mindset, which is what I'm going to talk about now. And this is really interesting because this is what is linked particularly closely to resilience. So in a growth mindset, people believe that their most basic abilities can be developed and improved through things like hard work and coaching and applying yourself or learning. So there's this understanding that the brains and talent that we're born with, that's really just a starting point. The important thing about this view, or I suppose the most valuable thing about it, is that it creates a love of learning and a resilience that has been shown to be um, core to people who do go on to accomplish really great things. So people with this mindset, 
tend to thrive on challenge because they see failure not as like proof of their lack of intelligence or their lack of ability in some area, but instead they see it as like a springboard for for growth and development and improving themselves. So this um, approach doesn't mean to say that um, everyone can be an Olympian if they train hard enough or everyone can you know, possess the intelligence of Einstein, but instead what it's really saying is that our abilities can grow and develop and improve throughout life through hard work and applying yourself and being committed to something. So there's been lots of interest in modern psychology around how belief systems about ourselves, so our own abilities and the things that we believe to be true about ourselves, um, how that fuels our behaviour and then, of course, predicts our success. Out of these two mindsets, fixed and growth mindset, uh, which we actually manifest from a really, really young age, there comes a great deal of our, well, it plays a role in determining a great deal of our behaviour Um, the relationship that we have with success and failure, both, I guess, in professional context, but also personally as well. And it's also linked ultimately to our capacity for happiness. The research shows that those with a growth growth mindset have all kind of improved outcomes in life. And what's really interesting, I think, for us as parents and caregivers of children is that these mindsets are formed or begin to form really, really early in on in life. So there was this study that was done over in America um, and they did it with a big group of four-year-olds. And they brought all these four-year-old children in um, for play sessions, but they were they were studying them. And what they had them do was all sorts of activities, including completing a puzzle. And once they had nailed the puzzle, the kids were given the chance to either redo that same puzzle again or to try a harder one. And what they actually found was that even at the young age of four, um, children tended to conform to the characteristics of one or two of these mindsets, so either the fixed mindset or the growth mindset. So those who had a fixed mindset, they tended to play it safe. They would choose to do the easier puzzles again because to them that was um, affirming their ability to uh, complete the puzzle. It was demonstrating how clever they were at it. Um, and sort of conveyed this belief that they had that smart kids don't make mistakes. They didn't want to be seen to be, you know, making a mistake or struggling with something. Whereas those that had the growth mindset, what they thought was it was they kind of felt like or they conveyed that they kind of thought that that was weird. Like why would anybody want to do the same puzzle over and over again if they had the opportunity to learn something new? So those children that had the growth mindset, to them their sense of success was tied up in learning something new and they, to them you know, becoming smarter, pushing themselves, having that challenge, that was more closely linked to success. So at this point, it's, it's probably useful just to pause for a moment and think a little bit about your own child or children. Maybe you've already been doing that as I've been speaking, but have a little think about what their natural tendency might be. Are they naturally more cautious, you know, more likely to play it safe? Perhaps they prefer things that they've mastered Um, or maybe they're the other way. Maybe they're keen to try new things all the time, even when they're hard, and that doesn't tend to deter them if they're not able to do something straight away. 
Maybe they are even really reluctant to try new things that they're not sure they'll be able to do. This is quite common to see in young children, particularly those who are prone to anxiety or, you know, tend to be more on the anxious side, is often that if they suspect that they won't be able to do something the first time, they'd be reluctant to even try. Children who struggle with losing too may also struggle with this because they can become really fixated on the outcome of win or lose rather than enjoying the actual experience of playing a game. Now, the good news is that even if your child does display more of what might indicate they're leaning more towards a fixed mindset, it is never too late to change this. And there is a number of ways that we as parents um, can really be helping to foster a growth mindset and in turn, build resilience in our kids. So a couple of really quick suggestions of ways that you can do this. Um, A big one is to praise effort rather than outcome. So parents, you know, with the best of intentions, and I myself will put my hand up and say that I have done this a number of times, um, they tend to praise their kids on their abilities or their results. So things like, you know, you are so smart or you're just the best swimmer. I saw you, you're incredible at swimming. You know, and at first glance, that doesn't really sound sound that problematic, right? But what the research actually shows is that praising kids for their intelligence or their natural talents and abilities actually backfires because instead of building confidence and self-esteem, what it does is prompt children towards the fixed mindset, which in turn makes them more vulnerable. What's far more powerful is praise that focuses on effort. So things like, I can see you worked so hard on that, or um, praise that focuses more on the process the child used. So things like, I love the way you thought about it, and when the first time you tried to build that tower didn't work, you tried again with a different approach. So feedback and praise like this directly promotes a growth mindset um, which is the belief that our kids' abilities can be strengthened with effort. So children with a growth mindset, they believe that they're capable of achieving whatever it is that they want to if they put enough time and effort in to get there. The second little tip I wanted to offer for um, building this growth mindset in our kids is to be really careful with the language that we're using and perhaps even reframe some of the language that we use. A really, really powerful tip Um, that I often suggest to a lot of my clients is introducing the word yet. Now, this is a really simple thing, but it's so powerful, especially for kids who tend to have more of a fixed mindset, because it really opens up a whole different perspective for them. So what what I'm talking about, an actual example is for a child that's struggling with, say, um, learning to ride a bike. That's a rite of passage that many kids will go through and struggle through at first. So what it would look like is um, when your child is having a hard time with that and saying, I can't do it, you know, I can't ride this bike, what we say to them is, no, you just can't ride the bike yet or you're not able to complete that maths problem yet. And with this one simple word, we're really able to convey to them and to acknowledge the potential and the capacity that they have for growth. And then the Third and final little suggestion for growing um, or fostering this growth mindset is to give kids permission to fail. So sometimes this needs to really be explicit because children are really perceptive and through a whole lot of messaging they receive, um, both, you know, within the family but also from um, media and 
you know, other children, their peers, a whole lot of different influences. Children learn pretty quickly or some, you know, pick up quickly that mistakes aren't a great thing to be making. What we want to be doing is encouraging them to try and making the mistake part of it, if it does play out that way, really not a big deal um, and instead reframing it as a chance to grow and develop. So we want to be changing the way we think about so-called failing or mistakes and reframing them from something negative into something positive. You know, one of the defining features of people who have a growth mindset um, is the way that they characterize failure. So adults that have this particular mindset, they will, you know, be able to articulate the fact that they see failure as a chance to learn and develop rather than something that they feel ashamed or embarrassed about. And that I think is a really powerful thing to be teaching our kids as well. Okay, so that's growth mindset. Now, my third and final thing that I wanted to share when it comes to resilience and young children is one that, you know, really relates to this question of what sets apart people who are able to grow through adversity compared to those who just are not. Um, So I found this so encouraging when I first read it because ultimately it, it gives so much hope. And that is the fact that There's been a number of studies done where um, the studies have focused on individuals who have survived and even grown and evolved in spite of experiencing trauma. And what they found is when they compared, um, you know, individuals who've been through it um, and the outcome, the different outcomes that they, you know, evolved into, what they found is that one of the key factors that separated people out in terms of those who were able to survive and thrive and evolve and those who were not and were not able to recover and went on to continue to struggle is that by and large those who were able to um, you know evolve had at least one significant stable adult in their life and that's it. Now it's really interesting to note that that person, that one significant stable adult, doesn't necessarily need to be the child's parent. It could have been a coach or a school teacher or a close family friend, an an adult, another adult in their life. The critical thing was that they were present, that they were consistent, and they were committed to that child. They were there as a shoulder to cry on or someone to check in with on tricky days, someone to chat um, or discuss things when they were having a hard time. And ultimately, that was one of the key differentiators in the child's life. So I absolutely love that because I think we as humans have the tendency to overcomplicate things a lot of the time. And this, this research that's come out and been shown, you know, time and time again, It just demonstrates that connection and solid relationships are really at the core of what humans need, no matter how hard things get. And I guess as parents that we are in this privileged position to be be that solid influence for our children and play a part in their developing resilience simply just by showing up as a consistent, loving and committed supporter of theirs. So that's what I wanted to leave you with today, that thought. So hopefully this little episode and little chat on building resilience has been helpful and has given you some ideas around what it is that our little ones truly need if they're going to be resilient in this life. 
I would love to hear about your experiences or any ideas that you might use in your own homes to build a growth mindset or encourage resilience in your little ones. So if you'd like to chat further about it, please pop into the Kind Parenting Company forums on Facebook and leave a comment in the group there so that we can continue the conversation. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, the community forums are a part of the Kind Parenting Company program offerings. When you purchase any of the infant sleep or toddler life behavior support programs, you are able to join the online forums for a small monthly fee and access the incredible supportive community as well as the KPC team, including Kylie and myself. We have regular guest expert presentations and other giveaways and offers from time to time too. The good news is that podcast listeners receive 20% off all programs. Simply visit the website, which is www.thekindparentingcompany.com and use the code KPCPODCAST20. That's all capitalized KPCPODCAST20 at checkout. I'll see you in there. Thanks for joining me and listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you've enjoyed this content and are looking to dive deeper into the support that the Kind Parenting Company offers parents and caregivers, you will love the range of programs we have available. The range includes online programs for supporting baby and toddler sleep, most suitable for babies aged 0 to 24 months, and also Toddler Life, which is a guide for those raising children aged 2 to 4 years. Each program comes with access to video and audio files, as well as the opportunity to join the community forums. Podcast listeners receive 20% off all programs. Simply visit the Kind Parenting Company website and use the code KPCPODCAST20, that's KPCPODCAST20, at checkout. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.